in habitatione sancta quorum ipso ministrari. In the holy dwelling place, I ministered in his presence. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Today's feast, as was mentioned at recreation last night, ushers us into the most Marian season of the year. 72 days from now, as it happens, we'll celebrate the purification of Our Lady, the presentation of Our Lord in the Temple, and today we celebrate Our Lady's first entrance into the Temple. And in the span of days between these two entrances into the Temple, we will celebrate a host of feasts in honor of the mysteries of Our Lady's life, the mysteries of the Incarnation, in which she was so intimately involved, uh, and various other mysteries as well of her appearing in different places and times throughout the history of the Church. And so this feast is placed at an important moment in the year, a sort of threshold in which we are invited to enter into a closer union with the Mother of God. The feast also comes approximately 70 days after Our Lady's birth, and so we look back to that dawn of salvation when she was born, and we intensify our union with her as we enter with her today into the temple. And the feast also points forward to, in some ways, the greatest of her feasts when she's ushered into the heavenly temple in the mystery of her assumption. Her life is lived between her entrance, her presentation in the temple on earth, and her presentation in the heavenly temple in the mystery of her assumption. And so the mystery of today's feast is of great significance, even though the event that it celebrates has in recent times often been dismissed. Uh, after all, it's not mentioned in the scriptures, and some would like to say that it's only given to us in unreliable apocryphal documents. Um, some of us heard a couple of years ago a book that we read in the refectory discussing the document from which we have our earliest account of Our Lady's presentation in the temple, the Proto-Evangelium of James, and it would seem that it is in fact can be argued very well that this document transmits to us the authentic memories of the family of the Blessed Mother, the family of our Lord, the things that were stored up in the tradition of her family, the memories that they had of her early life. And in fact, the more scholars have learned about the culture of the temple, and the life of the Jewish people immediately before the birth of our Lord, uh, the more it seems likely that in fact, the events that are described in that document, and which are also attested by many of the mystics who were given revelations about the life of Our Lady, are in fact quite reliable. And it's a beautiful description that's given in that second century document, attributed to James, the brother of the Lord, of what happened when the child Mary was at the age of three and her parents took her up to the temple. When the child Mary turned three, Joachim said, We should call the undefiled daughters of the Hebrews, and have them take torches. Let them set them up blazing, that the child not turn back, and her heart be taken captive away from the temple of the Lord. They did this until they had gone up to the Lord's temple. And the priest of the Lord received her, and gave her a kiss, blessing her, and saying, The Lord has made your name great for all generations. Through you will the Lord reveal his redemption to the sons of Israel at the end of time. 
he set her on the third step of the altar, and the Lord God cast his grace down upon her. She danced on her feet, and the entire house of Israel loved her. We can picture the child Mary, free from original sin, free from all of any taint of selfishness, dancing in the pure and selfless joy of being in the presence of God, dancing before him as we hear wisdom speaking about herself. We heard wisdom speaking in the epistle of today's Mass and in the 8th chapter of the book of Proverbs, which is very similar to the 24th chapter of Ecclesiasticus. We hear wisdom speaking of how I was in his presence arranging all things, ludens in sanctuario, playing in the sanctuary, playing in his sight, rejoicing to be in the presence of God. And these words are an image for us of Our Lady as a child of three, playing in God's sight in the temple, as she now eternally plays in his sight in his heavenly temple. And it is there in the temple that she grew up until the time of her marriage to St. Joseph. And what was she doing there? She was singing God's praises in the Psalms. So many of the Psalms that we sang at Matins this morning, we can picture them on the lips of Our Lady in the temple. They take on a new depth of meaning. She was studying the law, studying the prophets, studying the writings, and she was working working many hours a day, weaving things for the temple, caring for all of the various needs of the temple, along with the other daughters of Israel who were entrusted with this service. In short, our Lord wished that the upbringing of his mother, that the earliest conscious years of her life on earth, should allow her to be the model of the monastic life, as Our Lady is the model of the wife and mother, as she is the model of widows at the end of her life, so in these early years, she is the model of the enclosed monastic life, living there in the precincts of the temple, sheltered from the world, from all that could distract her from the worship of God. As Joachim says in the account, that the child not turn back and her heart be taken captive away from the temple of the Lord. From the very beginning of her life, as soon as she became conscious of anything, God wanted her to be in the temple, to be always in his presence. And so we can easily understand why this feast is so dear to the monastic tradition, why it's fairly common for vestitions and professions in monastic communities to take place on this feast, as we know several friends of our community are experiencing today in different monasteries. For the same reason, this feast was very dear to the heart of Mother MacTilde as it was to all the mystics of the French school by whom she was so influenced. This feast gives us Our Lady as the model of the enclosed life, the contemplative life. It gives her to us also as the sacerdotal virgin, a title which at times has been somewhat controversial and which has to be perhaps in our day treated with a certain caution, and yet it expresses a profound truth. The mother of God was the one who gave the immaculate Lamb of God his humanity. She was the one who presented him to the Father, the first one to offer him and to be united to his high priestly sacrifice. It was only fitting that 
this priestly virgin should spend the earliest years of her life in the temple, that her life should be characterized in those years by, as we heard in chapter this morning, preferring nothing to the work of God. And so, as we celebrate this feast, we give thanks for the fact that our Lord has given us the grace to share in this life of hers, to dwell always in the temple, ministering in his presence in the holy dwelling, a life which is intended in some way to make present on earth the life of the blessed in heaven, to begin to recreate on earth the life of intimacy in the presence of God that our first parents enjoyed in the Garden of Eden. The earthly temple was an image of this, an imperfect image to be sure, but it was in that earthly temple that Our Lady lived the earliest years of her life, and it is in the temple, which is the monastic enclosure, that she invites us to enter also into this mystery of her hiddenness in the temple, ministering in the presence of God. We may not have the same innocence and purity of heart with which the three-year-old child Mary was presented to the temple, but she invites us today to return, we could say, to the innocence of our baptism, to allow ourselves to be presented with her at the altar, to renew in spirit the vows of our monastic profession, or to look forward to the day when we will make them, to allow ourselves to be presented with her in the presence of God, to experience the delight of living always in his presence, of playing in his sanctuary, of praising him day and night, of preferring nothing to his service. May she allow us to persevere in dwelling there in the temple day and night in this life as we look forward to dwelling in his presence in eternity, that the child not turn back and that her heart might not be taken captive away from the temple of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Son.